All right. We are live on the Sunday Roundup. I appreciate you all tuning in. We have uh, Michael here. Michael, do you want to introduce yourself um, so people know who, who we're jamming with on, on the last week or two of news? Sure thing. Uh, yeah, thanks, Matt. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, this is cool. I'm glad you're doing this as well. So um, we're going to have an interesting conversation. I mean, just from <laughs> uh, talking with you before <laughs> before we press play here, it's going to be it's going to be fun. So a uh, little bit about me. Uh, I'm from Pittsburgh. I mostly spend my time between here, New York, East Coast a little bit, um, also out on the West Coast. We do a bunch of like events or we were doing a bunch of events um, throughout these different cities and whatnot. And my company is Entra, like entrepreneur, and we're a social network for entrepreneurs and really the future of work and the next generation of business. So we're pretty much building kind of like this new platform uh, that's going to be more designed towards entrepreneurs, freelancers, startups versus what LinkedIn is compared to corporate professionals and that sort of thing. So um, I get to meet a lot of interesting people like yourself and just hear cool stories and cool ideas. And uh, obviously most of our events now have been switched to virtual. So um, you know, that's been cool and different experience, but, um, you know, it's, it's just great, you know, connecting with other like-minded people, entrepreneurs like yourself and super excited about a conversation. Yeah, cool. Good, good to, um, get to know all of that. I'm excited. I feel like we're like in similar, similar worlds in tech and startups and, and, and whatnot. So it'll, it'll be good. Um, and I appreciate you coming on for people, um, for people that are listening, which is obviously you because you're because you're listening to my voice. Uh, this is like a new segment that I'm, I wanted to introduce to the show, which is allows, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in startup world and tech world. And in the traditional format of the podcast, I'm not really able to talk on any of it. And I'm not able to like, as you all know, I keep like a pretty clean show, pretty like quick, like 15 minutes. So the Sunday roundup is going to be me jamming with a bunch of different types of people on what's going on in tech. Uh, and and this is just uh, an early edition of that. So to start, um, we 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 you know as Michael knows, we were going through different topics that we could start with on what's going on in the world. And I think um, I'm making a game time decision. And I think I want to talk about like stocks, like the stock market, and like the, like in the Bitcoin market, just like what's going on with like markets overall right now. So um, and start. Let's start with like just kind of the stock market. Um, so. I I don't even what is going on with the stock market? How the hell is it not like how is it not like do do you have any idea why it's not tanking like at with the unemployment um, so high? Like what's your theory on what's going on with the markets right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty uh I've been pretty bearish on the market even before COVID. Um so like with all of this stuff going on, it just kind of escalated my opinion on everything. So I'm, I'm pretty just like, I don't really understand it fundamentally. Um, just because like I look at things from a rational perspective, the, the stuff that I do know or that I can come to the conclusion is as these numbers are coming out, they're not as bad as people have been expecting. Um, even though we're seeing numbers of unemployment and all this stuff, like the highest since literally the great depression, um, and joblessness and whatnot. I think the, the thought of most people is that this is temporary. It's not going to affect things long-term. The Fed has pumped a bunch of money into the economy. So that's helped offset things. Um, on top of that, you have a lot of companies that have been benefiting dramatically from this. So um, you have a, a weird thing going on right now, which is there's a bunch of companies that have been gotten completely destroyed from this. And then other companies who have benefited massively and their businesses are booming. Um, and a lot of that's in the tech space. So what you see is the, the NASDAQ and the tech stocks really doing pretty well. And then a lot of the other stocks maybe not doing well at all, especially in the travel industry and stuff like they've just gotten destroyed. Um, so it's a weird mix of what I think is like 
certain industries are getting crushed and then other industries are doing pretty well. So it's kind of balancing itself out. If you look at like the last month, it's been pretty flat and even just like a lot of ups and downs. Uh, but I think there's just so much uncertainty and I, for one, don't like investing in, especially when the market's at some of its all time highs and when we're going through a global pandemic and we're still in a lockdown. So, um, I, I'm definitely, I'm holding basically uh, half cash, half short positions right now um, and kind of just waiting to see what happens. Cause I think there's a lot of people think that we've already bottomed and there's going to be a V shape return and stuff. So I, I think it's, it's definitely going to be, we're, we're going to see things drop again for sure there. I, I just don't see how it doesn't um, unless there's a cure in the vaccine like next week. And then even with that, the, feds are going to have to put in more money anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's all, it's all, it's all good. I think that's all right. I, for, I'm not actually, you know, super experienced with trading stocks. I recently, like I'm familiar, obviously what's going on, but I only started playing around with Robinhood in the last year or so. So I am like slightly um, a noob to it. But with that said, with everything that was going on, let's say three months ago, I decided to like, you know, oh my gosh, like everything's down. I know the motto like buy low, sell high, or yeah, buy low, sell high. Um, so I, I bought in and and I actually like made a little money and I was confused to why I was making money because like the world, like the US is, I mean, the world is going to shit right now. I'm like, I just made, I mean, you know, it wasn't like a ton of money, but I made some money. I'm like, I, I don't want to work, wake up every day looking at my Robinhood wondering when it goes ha- half to the current value. So about a month ago, I I I, I pulled I pulled everything out, everything because I just like it wasn't that much money, because I just I couldn't deal with like the wondering of like what the hell is going on, and I and if my money's in there, you know, it's just like it, I don't know. It, it, something that I read is like it's there are enough people that are not necessarily pretending like everything's fine, but with their money are pretending like things are fine, and it's like the markets are not do not have any relation to what's happening to, you know, to jobs, to unemployment. And I personally, you know, although I'm not like a stock, you know, a stock expert by any means, I'm not even close, but I, I, I'm willing to bet, um, you know, that it's going to be a W, a W curve, not a V curve. And, and it, it's going to go back down. Um, just because like, how can it not, you know, like at some point the Fed, the money the Fed pumped in is going to stop, you know? And it's like, but at the same time, I want to like bounce around it um, to the, to another topic on this that I think is like less less dis- discovered because it's more new. But with everything going on, we've seen something happen with Bitcoin, and and Bitcoins kind of been growing. Uh, you know, and some are saying it's the last time you can invest under ten thousand dollars. Are you are you a big crypto person um do you follow crypto a lot do you trade crypto are you anti-crypto where are you on crypto (laughs) yeah so i uh it's there's a lot that's i think we're going through a massive transition just in the economy in general um the financial system in general for sure it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens and 2016 2017 i dove into crypto like pretty deep and i just started learning more about it and I, I, Wait, I have to ask before, but yeah. at the end of 2017, did you end up getting out or did you get wrecked? Like what, like, yeah. the, like what would tell me, no, like, I, I, I want to hear that in, story. <laughs> I, I sold in December. So it was actually like perfect timing. Um, Very nice. which was great. So basically what happened was as I started learning more about it, I was like, fundamentally, this doesn't make any sense actually. Right. Because as more people get on it, it takes way more time for me to send you money and it costs more money for me to send you money. So until it's at the standpoint of like Venmo or some of these others, it's not going to make sense. And until the transaction fees get lower, low enough as volume increases, it just doesn't fundamentally make sense. On top of that, as I started learning about the mining and everything, I'm like, we're spending so much money mining this thing so it takes so much energy to produce a a digital currency which it just doesn't make sense on top of that you have 60 percent of the mining is controlled by five companies in china how does this make any sense so instead of having one central reserve 
now you have five Bitcoin mining companies that control the majority of it. So they say it's decentralized and yes, in some cases it is and whatnot, but it's not distributed and there's still many people who own big chunks of this. So as I started learning more about it, I was like, this doesn't make much sense. I actually like Ethereum much more than Bitcoin because there's more of a platform and people could build apps on top of it. And they're, they're kind of different platforms, right? Like Bitcoin people are, is like, you know, it's like more like a cash, like it's more like cash or gold or whatever. Ethereum is more like Apple or like the app store where you can actually like build things with it and on top of it. Um, so they're, they're different in a sense, but um, yeah, I mean, I, as I learn more about it and then like my friends who don't know anything about anything or, you know, aren't in the finance space or any of this stuff are coming to me and like, Hey dude, I just bought Bitcoin. And like, I just made like all this money. I'm like, and like random people and like ordinary people who don't pay attention to stocks or markets or anything are talking about it and investing in it. I was like, yeah, this is, I got to get out. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's you know, at that point I was like, okay, I'm done. And then, yeah, I got out at like 19,000. So it was like great timing um, as far as all that. But um, I've always been keeping an eye on everything. And, you know, as I've kept learning more about it and whatnot, like I, I actually bought back into a little bit of it uh, earlier this year as this having is, is coming up um, too, which makes things a little bit more interesting. And my whole opinion is digital currencies is the future in one way or another. Is it going to be Bitcoin? I don't know in my thought process is just rationally, I don't think it is, but if it is, it's going to be huge. And right. It's, it's, you might as well have a little bit of some, some like holdings in it just for the potential upside. I think that's what most people who own Bitcoin are doing right now. So it's like this weird game where people are kind of just like, Hey, why not? Right. If it's, yeah, if it's it is, if. Yeah. Right. If, if it's the next thing, then I have some of it. Right. If it's not, who cares? I lost a little bit of money. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And until there's a better solution, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But Bitcoin has a lot of big time people like supporting it. So it's going to be interesting. You said just now the word halving or like halving, um, and I've read I, yeah. I, I've read that on the internet. I've no idea what it means. What 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 is what is have? Can you pronounce yeah. it again? <laughs> having just like cutting something in half. But it's yeah, so, so how how is it having if it's growing? Like what's having? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. No, it's all good. Um, and I'm not I'm not a Bitcoin expert or anything. Well, that's uh, fine. You I just said that but, word, and I'm like. Think, what is that word? I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically every four years, uh, the, the block Bitcoin's blockchain is essentially like cut in half. Right. So what that means is the reward that these miners were getting, like they would get, uh, every 12 and a half coins per block would like, basically you could get like uh, a piece of Bitcoin. Right. Now that's cutting it down to 6.25 coins per block post happen. So what this means is now it costs more money or it costs the same amount of like computing power, if not more computing power as the encryption gets more complicated to produce basically like half of the amount. So what's going to happen is all of the, the supply is going to be decreasing as time goes on, right? So there's so much Bitcoin out right now. And once the halving takes place, basically there's gonna be half of it like that's gonna be available to these miners going forward for solving more complex problems. And then every four years, it gets even, it shrinks even more that way because eventually the amount of Bitcoin runs out. So what what's gonna happen is all these miners that have like a, maybe a few supercomputers lined up or whatever, they are not going to be able to like keep up and but continue doing it profitably once this occurs. So now all the power is going to get shifted to the big 
producers of this. And on top of that, it's going to get more scarce, right? So then now the big miners are going to be like in better positions and the amount of Bitcoin out there is going to like, it, it, it doesn't necessarily shrink, but it gets more and more because it's, it's finite. So eventually there's going to be no more Bitcoin that gets mined, right? And, and now what's going to happen is it just gets slimmer and slimmer. So if you get in now, then that means you can get more Bitcoin right now that's available before it slowly starts decreasing every four years, basically. I thought I, I thought I was like fairly in the know on Bitcoin. I'm not super technical with Bitcoin, but I literally did not know that was a concept. So I appreciate you you educating me on that. That's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I said it completely. Like, sounded right correct. to me. <laughs> so, so people can definitely fact check, and sure. I um, I can uh, I can send people some some links and stuff to yeah. to read it because I mean, this is something that it's so new and it's still developing. It's so young, right? Like if this is the new financial system, we're in the first like 10 years of it, right? You know what I mean? Like it's going to be, digital currency is going to be the future in in some way. Do I think that governments are going to let Bitcoin completely dominate it? Probably not, right? Uh, There's no reason that, China tomorrow couldn't say Bitcoin's illegal, right? They could easily do that. If you own Bitcoin, you literally go to jail, right? Or if, you are, or if you're caught trading Bitcoin, any government could do that essentially, right? Especially these communist countries. So that's for me, like there's so much uncertainty. No one even knows who created it in the first place, right? That's just weird to begin with. Right. If, if I if I went back in time and said, hey, in the year 2020, uh, there's going to be this digital currency that no one who knows who made it and that uh, basically you have to use supercomputers to create it. And they spend a bunch of energy on this and, and money on this and, and then people can trade it and exchange it like it would be like, yo, that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm excited for the, some people are calling it, I mean, I, you know, it's different things, but like pretty much like the, the, the city in the cloud or virtual worlds where like avatars dominate, micro payments dominate. Um, and it's, it's like, what does consumer look like next? And I think that the next um, wave of consumer is going to collide heavily with a cryptocurrency. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think it's going to be Bitcoin. I, I'm. I'm not actually an expert here, obviously, on this. But I. I. I from what I've read, I agree with you on that. Ethereum's kind of the, you know, people can actually build on it. But I. I I'm not counting out Facebook and, and Libra. And I know. I know. I know Libra's oh. had some, some issues, of course. But I mean, Mark. Mark just doesn't miss like Mark Zuckerberg when he takes shots, like he, yes, he is this, the privacy was like, that was a thing. That was a, that was an issue, but I just don't see him miss like that, that. It was a, it's a very big investment to like do this Libra thing. I don't see him not, I don't see him not winning, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And I feel, and I wonder what that looks like for things not built on Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up too, because that's something that I've been, talking to people a lot about is like I said earlier, I think digital currencies is the future in one way or another. How is that going to play out? I don't know. I think with all this going on, there's definitely incentives for a bunch of people to start pushing people to digital currencies, even more so now with everything happening. Um, And I think it could also be tied into that in some cases as well. But Bitcoin, Libra, right? These are the two biggest currency players, I would say, right now. And if Bitcoin get or if uh, Libra gets, you know, some traction going, everyone else is just going to jump on board with it. And uh, that's the like, personally, I'm not a big Facebook person. Like, I don't really like what Facebook's doing fundamentally. And I think, uh, I think they 
what has made them successful is going to destroy them in the long run. Um, you know what I mean? And I think the future is, you know, definitely private secure. I mean, I use brave browser, DuckDuckGo, proton mail. I'm starting to get on all this stuff and I'm like, why not? Right. Like in my opinion, I think, uh, we should be able to, you should reward people for their contributions to a network. And right now, all the users on all these platforms are not being rewarded for their contributions, right, to a community, right? If Facebook is a community, they are not rewarding the contributors, right, necessarily at all. They're taking advantage of them. So, you know, the future, and, and this is stuff that we want to do within Entre as well, is we want to reward the content creators. We want to reward people for their contributions to the community so that it's not just like, you know, we're just reaping all the benefits, right? It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, so there's something I say that I believe it's an original, like, I don't know if I heard it from somewhere. I think I came up with it, but the, the, the next like $10 billion consumer companies will be built on the mistakes of the last, of, of the last decades, to, uh, 10, you know, billion dollars, consumer companies, which is just how it's, it's how it works. Right. It's like if things go in waves, there's pendulums, et cetera. Um, speaking of consumer, I want to, uh, jump into a different, um, different points. Um, I just two products that have been on my mind a lot recently that I that have been making a ton of waves on Twitter. So I want to mention them both to you. And if you if you want to talk about one of them or both of them, we can if you don't know either of them, that's fine. I can tell you what they are. But the two I want to mention are Rome Research and Clubhouse. Are you are you are I know Clubhouse, I don't know Rome Research. Okay, so let's so let's so I want to talk about Clubhouse because I think so for people that don't know Clubhouse, and also I'll preface with: if you see me giving me giving Clubhouse a lot of shit on Twitter, I'm about to like I have a more nuanced opinion on on Clubhouse now. So what Clubhouse is is Clubhouse is this thing that launched in the last month that is like audio Twitter kind of like it, it, it. And what's key about it is that it's kind of only like for quote unquote insiders right now. Like if you're in a circle of Silicon Valley, a VC, as you're like a founder in the Bay, you get access to to, to Clubhouse. And it's blowing up on Twitter. Like, I'm, like, are you, is it, are, is it, are people that you follow just like, you know, tweeting about it all the time or what, what's it like for you? Um, like the FOMO, do you get FOMO? Like I, I want to like talk about the, the clubhouse effect and then just like analyze it as a product. So I wanted to talk to someone about this for a while. Yeah. Um, it's definitely interesting. I mean, the weird part about Twitter is, so I didn't really, I didn't really mess with Twitter at all up until like last year because I didn't really like it. And then I was like, as I started realizing a lot of the tech and VC and startup community is on there more than any other platform. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. And it, it all depends on who you follow, right? So there's this weird part of Twitter that's like literally like, the Silicon Valley startup tech like bubble within Twitter. And like, if you follow kind of these people and like within a month or two, you'll kind of get a feel for like, who are the people who are tweeting and like who, you know, who, who's doing stuff and, and all that stuff. And it, it, it's kind of funny actually, um, as I've like experienced this now over the last six months, you know what I mean? And, um, it's fascinating. And as soon as Clubhouse came out, what, like a month ago, whatever, it just was what every single person in the tech startup Twitter bubble was talking about. And it was really kind of this thing just for VCs at the beginning. Like, it was like, oh, if you're not on, like, if you're not in the in crowd or you're not in the Bay Area and you're not in, and it's like, one of these things where everyone else was just like, yo, how do I get into this thing? Because it was, it was probably the most FOMO app I've seen since like Gmail, honestly, um, where it was like kind of like that vibe 
where it was like, yo, give me an invite. Like I got to get in this because you just had, you just wanted to see what it was about. Now I've, I've actually, um, there's another app called Ents. I don't know if you've heard of this. What's it, so, what's it called? Ents? Ents. E-S-N or E-S-N-E. Ents. Okay. Ooh, I'm going to look it up. Oh, wait. Am I not spelling? E-N-S-E. Yeah. So this was started by Venmo's founder, right? Ikram. And I, I knew about this two years ago. It, it's basically audio Twitter, right? It's the same, same thing. Um, and he kind of has pivoted this more towards music over the last year. Um, it's been around for a while. Like it just like never really took off. And, and I know clubhouse is a little different cause you can join like rooms and stuff like that and kind of like groups and stuff. This is more of just like a feed and then you can like record over people and stuff like that. But it was just funny because like I heard this clubhouse thing come out. I'm like, you know, this is like the exact same thing as the, as Akram was doing the, the co-founder of Enmo. Um, and he like, he's just not like, I don't even know how to describe him. He's like, you can tell he's like a legit genius, but like, now he was he's just like so into music and like doing his own thing like he kind of just built this as like something that he wanted you know what i mean um but it's just funny now to see that clubhouse is taking this on now i don't know if clubhouse is going to be around for a while or or whatnot because i saw what ends kind of went through and it's cool but at the same time i don't i'm not that big on like just audio i think video is much more powerful um and you can see that with tiktok and stuff and house party and all these others so i don't know i mean we'll we'll see i'd love to hear more of your thoughts on it too well like did you ever in 20 i mean i definitely have thoughts but beforehand did you ever hear of a pretty small maybe like two to three million user social network built in 2015 called blab Blab, uh, blab, b l a b. Blab. Yeah, I have heard of this. I can't, I can't picture it though. Cool. I, so, I do, yeah. So blab was a a, a huge part of my life for like four, four or five months. What it was is you had rooms where you join with strangers, and it's very similar to Clubhouse, but it's video too. And this this caught fire, and the founder, um, Sean Curie. Now, now works at Amazon, but um, he leads. I mean, he, he Twitch, Amazon, something in that realm. But he he started this thing. He's like, we want rooms where people can jump in with strangers and have conversations, and we did it. You know, like we did it, and we did it like eight to ten hours a day. Literally, I was in college. Wow. I had nothing, you know, it was crazy, and it ended up dying because they didn't know how to make money, and and but the engagement was nuts. And I'm looking at Clubhouse right now, and. I see a couple of things um, that I want to si- siphon out. So, so I see one, there's this exclusivity thing. Whereas me as someone who's not in clubhouse, I inherently immediately was like, Oh, screw it's the inner circle. But I actually like realized like think about it, like the founder perspective, you're not going to let anyone in. You're going to, you want to keep it small. And that means leaving some people out. And I learned it over time, you know, in the last like two weeks, it's like not them trying to be like inner circle Silicon Valley. It's just, they're just a San Francisco company. You know, so it's like, that's the first users and it's fine. So I got over that. But what my big issue is like, how is it going to make money? And, and if the answer is ads, which it probably is, like, is it going to work as well as it could have worked in 2005? You know, is like, are we still really slapping ads as a business model for these new companies? That's my biggest wonder. Are they going to be able to make money off this thing? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's either going to be one of two things, right? Um, ads or a premium membership subscription kind of deal. That would be chill. If they can pull off the subscription, that would be very legendary. And I would really support them if they did that. Yeah, I, I think it could be I, – I think that's probably where they're going. From, from my standpoint, I think that's probably where they would have the better effect because if they're going for quality and exclusivity, then people will pay for that. Right. So 
they could go that direction. The problem with doing that is you are, are strict on the volume side. So you can't, it's not, you're not going to get everyone. It's going to be, you know, you, you might have, you know, a hundred thousand people paying, right? So can you get the, the scale of paid that you would need to be a massive company? Right. I don't know. Right. That, that's a tricky thing. Plus how easy is it going to be for other platforms to do a similar like thing? Right. And the thing is, do people want an audio experience over other types of experiences? Right. Like, is that something people even want? Um, the other point on monetization, right? Like in my opinion, if you have a bunch of people using your platform and you can't figure out a way to monetize it, you're a shitty entrepreneur. That's just flat out my opinion, right? Um, you know, I think even having said that, you should be able to sell your company for a lot of money if you have a lot of users, right? Because people will pay for that information and they'll pay for that data. I mean, look at WhatsApp. No money, but they had hundreds of millions of users and they sold for Facebook for like 19 billion or something, right? So, um, you know, everyone's asking them, what's your monetization strategy? What's your monetization strategy? And they're like, screw it. We're just getting users because we know that that's valuable, right? And now that, that's why it, it makes me mad when people are like, how are you going to make money? It's like, dude, we, we just need users. Like if you can get people to do stuff for free, if you can get a mass amount of people to do anything, anything for free, you can monetize it 16 ways till Sunday right? There's, there's a, there's so many different ways to monetize or just sell it, right? Because people want that, like people want the traffic or the users or the data. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. Um, I'm not sure what they have in the works. Um, where do you, I should probably know this, but correct me if I'm wrong, but do you live in New York or where, where, where are you based? So right I'm now. in Pittsburgh right now, in Pittsburgh. but yeah, okay. I, I split my time between here and there. I, I was in New York pretty much every month for the last two years, okay. like every two or three weeks. Yeah. So I, is there a, for, from your perspective, being a founder in, in the scene, but not specifically in like the, the San Francisco, um, San Francisco scene, what's your like perspective overall of San Francisco? Uh, not like just, um, I don't, I, I love San Francisco. I'm not trying to like frame it where it's like, Oh, like shit on San Francisco, but San Francisco has this thing where like they think really big and they're like, what, what if we could do X and they, they do it, they do Uber, they do Facebook, they do Twitter, you know, they, they do it off all the time. But I, um, I don't know in 2020 in the current environment, not just coronavirus, but just like where the world's at, I'm trying to get perspective on, um, I don't know, like, what's your perspective of San Francisco, the way that to build a company in San Francisco versus a way to build a company in Pittsburgh or New York or, or, or Phoenix? Is it um, just, yeah, what's your perspective on that? Love to hear. Yeah, I, I think this is a fantastic topic because um, I've spent a good amount of time in New York, um, but I've also spent some time in the last year out in the Bay Area in LA too and stuff. and it's a totally different atmosphere and, and there's pros and cons to it because like you said, and this is the most important part and the reason why Silicon Valley wins all the time is because they think really big, right? That's number one. Um, number two is there's so much freaking cash out there that that's what allows them to do this. Um, Going with both of those things is a delusion that they also have as well, where they think that they have to raise all of this money and do it the way that Amazon and Apple and, or not Apple, Uber and Lyft and like all these high tech growth, high growth tech companies have done in the past. Like they think, oh, we just got a freaking you know, hire, raise a shit ton of money, hire a shit ton of people and just, you know, scale. And that's how every company should be built. And I just don't think that's right. I just don't think that that's how every company, it works for some companies. It doesn't work for others and it makes them 
completely get destroyed in my opinion. And we're going to start seeing that come through. Um, so I think that people in Silicon Valley and San Francisco put themselves on a pedestal, especially the VCs. They, they think they're hot shit. And like most of them have never even started a company before. So like <laughs> that, that like, I think an investor is someone who invests their own money. Right. And I, like talking to those people and I think they have very good insights and in, in whatnot. Um, a venture capitalist or a principal or an associate is investing other people's money, number one. And number two, most of them have never actually started a business. So I'm very cautious about who I listen to, who I take advice from, all these things. Most VCs, if they've never started a business before, if they aren't uh, an angel investor or have invested their own money in startups. I, I don't, I don't see how they could necessarily give me advice on starting and building a company unless they have a ridiculous track record as well. Right. That's, that's the caveat to it. But I, I love talking to angel investors or ex founders that were VCs. And there's a lot of them in San Francisco in the Bay area, a lot of amazing people. But I also think a lot of people put themselves on this pedestal and, you know, they're just in VC because it's a cool thing to be. And, um, you know, these companies burn through cash like crazy. And the cost of living there is ridiculous. I mean, the reason that I'm based here, we have an office in New York, but I'm based here in Pittsburgh because I can build my company for a tenth of the cost here than New York or the Bay Area. One tenth. So like it, it doesn't add up. Like and I see a lot of people starting to wake up to that. And I think things are going to be changing over the next 10 years. And I think people are going to realize like, Hey, I actually don't need to be in the Valley at all necessarily. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with all of that. Um, I, it, it's, it's interesting how you put it in order. Like they think big, they have capital to think big, but they're delusional, but it all works. But some of them are delusional, but it all like works, you know, it all like it works sometimes. What I've noticed. What, so the reason I started this podcast like to 1.5 years ago, one and a half years ago is that I, I live in Phoenix, which is no, there's no hub here. There's very little tech scene. Um, you know, if there is, it's not one I like care to like break into. And I wanted to, I wanted to play in the big leagues. I wanted to meet the people doing the big deals, great companies, et cetera. So I started this podcast and in the beginning, I'm like, Oh, that'd be cool if I could like meet some of these cool founders and it, it's evolved into now it's like a high speed train to like the heart of, of, of the, of the inner circle, but I'm doing it from Phoenix <laughs> and, it, and it, like I, and there's people that I come across that I talk to in San Francisco that, that actively keep the door shut for outsider outsiders and you can but there's, there's money that don't there's so many awesome people in the bay but there's some that it's like like there I was talking to one person who i won't mention the name and i asked them hey like do you invest like i'm building this um actually i think we, we were actually talking about this you and i like a couple of weeks ago but this was way earlier i'm like hey like would you ever considering it um in looking at like a tool like this for investing and of course it's fine if the answer is no um, but I always ask why. And he's like, no. And I say, why? He's like, oh, I, I only will invest with people inside of my own network. And that's like the case with so many people in, 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 in the Bay. And it, it's like right. this religion in some capacity. And I do think that, yeah. I do think that you get enough good founders at learning how to start companies and building stuff and getting some influence. Um, I, I do think it changes. And with the Bay Area prices going up, I do think it changes. Um, and I, that's one of the forces I want with mine. I can't, I can probably imagine you're trying to do the same with entree is like, you can build this, these awesome networks somewhere else and you can do it for way less money. And you can also do it without like, I don't know, the last thing I'll mention is I just, I just hate, I just dislike the people that are like, I'm an SF, I'm superior to you. You're and, 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 and to say an F you to all of them, I'm just taking this little podcast train and just riding it like like to the center of the network and and then and then i'll happily have the mom in the chat if they're open to like talking to an outsider you know <laughs> so that's yeah. a little bit of a rant sorry <laughs> no you're good I, I mean i think it's a great point um and, and i agree with that i mean i think it there's there's like the, those pockets everywhere too 
um even here in Pittsburgh like and you have like the 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 inner circle and like warm intro kind of people who like hey you know like I only take deals from you know warm intros or other founders that we've worked with or you know angel investors or you know like stuff like that and look I get that um it makes sense I'm I'm you know and and I I can't wait to be like uh like more of a you know investor in in startups because i i want everything like i just want all you know and and we're starting to kind of build up this deal flow like within our own network um which is kind of cool but um yeah i just think like you're gonna miss out right there's no way you aren't gonna miss out on great ideas and stuff like that and um it will be interesting to see how things evolve the the other thing i'll add real quick too is new york's interesting because I love New York because no one cares. No one cares where you're from. No one cares about anything, right? You could be having the same business as someone and it's just like all cool because they know there's enough like to go around. And like, if you have traction, if you have whatever people in New York, they're, they're, they're in, right? They're, they'll do whatever. It's, it, it's more like an open playing field yeah. in New York, I think. Um, Interesting. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know what it's like in on the East Coast, like Boston, New York, uh, you know, a- anywhere in that area, because um, I've always lived in Phoenix, but it, it's open playing field. Yeah, because it's, it's like it's not zero sum. It, you'd say it's like because there's such always so many big markets. Um, yeah, there's actually a small chance that like very small chance that at some point in the next like decade or two, we move out to Boston or New York. We wanted to move from Phoenix and we're looking at L.A., but like, yeah, I don't know, well, where, where, wherever. All right, let's move to one last topic and then we'll call it a day. I want to finish up with something that I don't know too much about, but you meant this was the first thing you mentioned when we were talking about topics. So I want to dive into it and get your take. Um, what's going on with um, co-working and like that, that whole world with like we work and what's the future of co-working, et cetera. Um, so again, I don't have a, a too much of a beat on here, but we'd love to hear and we'll be able to bounce off you. What's going on? In, in co-working what's the future of co-working especially with covid and like yeah what's what, what's the future of the office also as well yeah it's gonna be fascinating to see and i keep i keep feel like we keep saying like it's gonna be interesting to see what happens but um welcome to the world you know, of startups <laughs> yeah i mean so to give a little backstory like i've been in a co-working multiple co-working spaces for the last uh over four years now um, and we've done events at co-working spaces across 12 different cities. So I've been in probably over a hundred different co-working spaces in different cities and all sorts of stuff. And I know the game pretty well. Um, and we've worked with, WeWork and spaces and industrious and pretty much all the big players in it. And, um, as as I've seen it from the beginning in 2016, when I first got a co-working office and no one really knew what co-work, I mean, people knew what it was then, but not like it is now over the last four years, it's blown up. And I saw it happen. Pittsburgh went from having like two co-working spaces to 10. New York went from having like 20 to a thousand, right? It, it like, it completely just blew up and I'm sitting here watching all of this happen. And I'm like, there's no way on earth they're going to be able to fill all of these spaces. Like it's just impossible. Number one, you have, we work leading the charge, getting all this money from SoftBank and everywhere else. They're throwing up locations like crazy. Like they're just like hot dog stands. They're just like, boop, boop, boop. And I'm like sitting here watching this happen, right? Like, holy crap. Then you have the other co-working companies trying to catch up to them. So now they're trying to scramble, raise money and open up shops and offices just to like kind of compete, right? Because they want to show that they have, you know, many locations and whatnot. And in four years, I was just like, this is impossible. I'm walking into co-working spaces that don't have many people, right? We're doing events at co-working space that are just opening up in like 
expensive real estate places. Um, you know, we were doing, we do, we were doing basically five to seven events a month at co-working spaces, the different cities. Right. And they loved us because we were bringing entrepreneurs right into their wheelhouse. Right. We were their best marketing that they could ever have. And, um, I just kept seeing things get out of hand. I'm like, the demand is not there for, I mean, it is there like co-working is definitely in the future for sure. Uh, 100%. The, the problem is the, the market was so oversaturated and they were all offering basically the exact same thing. They had offering desks and offices. They all have four walls. They all have a desk and chairs and there's not too much different between them. Right. Besides the price point and the location. It's the only thing that is the difference in, in any co-working. So I saw this happening and I'm just like, yeah, this is crazy. And then WeWork keeps raising more and more money. And then over, and I was doing this before, like, I was like, this is not going to end well before COVID. Now I'm like, oh my God, who knows what's going to happen now. And, and then with WeWork probably going bankrupt before COVID, they're definitely, the chances that they survive this is, I don't know, not good. Less than 10%, I would say. Um, then the other co-working spaces, I don't know what's going to happen with them. I think the only thing that I can really think of right now is that these a large, these larger commercial real estate companies like JLL and Cushman Wakefield and whatever else are going to come in and maybe buy some of these up. Um, or just like large REITs or something like that. Um, I don't know, but I, I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to do well, um, unless things get really back to normal and everyone who had a flex membership is just working from home. And a lot of companies are realizing that, Oh, we can actually get things done just having everyone from home. So we don't really even need an office. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how things happen. Um, and it really depends on when things get a little bit back to normal, but it's going to be, it's, it's going to totally, it, it's all going to get consolidated and it's going to com get completely revamped in the next two years. Um, so I'll be fascinated to see how things end up. I, I, I kind of feel like there's going to be a company that doesn't exist yet. Um, that is being a star or one that just was founded in the last six months that, that builds the Starbucks of co-working spaces. Like they, they, I, I think, I think there's a huge opportunity in building coffee shops that are very, very close to co-working spaces. Um, but like more so than they have been. Like there's been some people that have gone on this trend, but like, no, Starbucks of co-working spaces. I think, I think that company will exist in 10 years and will be big in 10 years. Also one other trend, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. But another trend that I've noticed is because real estate is getting destroyed right now and, you know, commercial real estate is getting destroyed, college, university real estate getting destroyed. Um, there's this, this, this thing that's going to happen that colleges that are going out of business are going to have to sell their, their campuses. And this allows people, I mean, I don't think Lambda school is there yet. Maybe they are, but like Lambda school could buy a campus, uh, um, uh, uh, Microverse could buy a campus, you know, Plotchay could buy a campus. Like these new universities, like new school can buy out the old ones. And I just think that's, I love it, honestly. But I just, like, do you have any, to, to, find, to finish it up, um, finish up the, the, the roundup, do you have any thoughts on like what happens when universities go out of business and, and their lots are up for or not just their lots, but their whole plot of land is up for sale. Like what's going to happen? Yeah. I, this is hilarious that you bring this up because uh, so literally in like our business plan that I wrote like years ago, right. I already was planning to do this, right? Like eventually I want to get Entra, like there's no reason instead of funneling our network into these other co-working spaces that we can't have our own physical locations. Number two, I've already seen, and it's already in like the plan that I, I know that a lot of these smaller universities are going to go bankrupt in the next 10 years, right? That's, that's what's going to happen. And as things go on, what businesses could operate in a college campus? Like who would buy that? It doesn't make any sense for most companies, right? For what we're building, 
it makes perfect sense. We're going to open up the first entrepreneurship and business university. That's just a flat monthly fee, right? Just like a co-working membership, right? Except you get trained and educated by real entrepreneurs, real investors, real people doing it. Um, so that's always been part of like my plan in general. And, and I 100% think this is going to happen. I think Lambda School has potential to do it. I think other things like free code camp, um, other um, even like, I don't want to say this necessarily, but I do think that you could see Facebook, Apple, Google, all these huge companies, Microsoft, they just have a university now. I'm not, I, I think it's probably going to happen and it sucks, but I think it's going to happen. Um, and, and those are the only companies that would make sense for it to, to do it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they've already started laying out the plans for this. And if you look at Microsoft owning LinkedIn and now like Linda and LinkedIn learning and all this stuff, like you can see, you can see how it kind of plays into it. Right. And, um, you know, Facebook's getting into content and shit now too. And it's you know, Google for startups and startup grind. It's like, you can see how it could fit in. And, um, yeah, it, I think college is, uh, that's going to be the biggest one of the biggest like massive changes in the next 10 years. It's going to get completely disrupted completely. That's, I would say that that's definitely um, a topic for another, another day. I, I have a lot to say <laughs> on college. That's like, I, I work, I, I pretty much my last several years has been in the future of ed and the future of work. And like, what does work like for an individual and like, how do they learn? Um, so I'm like very intrigued in that, but we'll say that for another time. Uh, this was fun. Thanks for jamming. And for people listening, well, actually, before we do that, how can they get into, if they like what you had to say and they want to like follow you, you know, or learn more about your company, what's your Twitter handle? What's your Facebook? What's your, what's your URL? How can sure. they find you? Yeah. So personal is just at Michael W Mara, M A R R A. And then Entra is just join Entra E N T R E just like entrepreneur at that's our website.com and then that's at join entra everything on social too um and then if they want to check out the app it's it's invite only pretty much right now uh but if they just search the app store entra it's going to be the first thing that comes up um on the iphone i don't know if it's like the first one on android or not yet but um yeah they'll be able to find it on the iphone for sure all right that's the sunday roundup